can use this one. Thank you, sir. <coughs> Good morning. Josh hooked me up with a new, uh, I don't know what to call this thing, lectern? What, what a music stand. Thank you. So <laughs> how are you guys doing this morning? Doing well. Good to see everyone. You braved the, way, the rain, and I, from what I understand, that's no big deal in Kodiak, so you're just doing what you know to do. <laughs> I almost walked down the street this morning. It's like a 60-second walk, and I thought, no, I, th I think I'm going to drive today <laughs> just in case. So it's kind of funny driving not even like a, a point of a mile, but, but I did. So um, it's good to be back. I, uh, I traveled to uh, Austin, Texas last weekend and San Marcos. I got to see uh, my son, my oldest son, uh, Blake. He's in college there at Texas State studying criminal justice. So it was parent weekend, um, and as you guys know, anytime you get to see your kids when they're, when they're far away, it's, um, it's indescribable. Um, and also, a big part of that weekend, really, and, and I got to see him, that was fantastic, I wanted to see him, but a big reason why I went was to, kind of what we're talking about today, made for this, um, the church. We were made to be the church. And um, what I got to witness there, three men um, decided three years ago that they would start walking and doing life with three other men each. So one on three, doing life, studying the scripture together, praying for one another, um, sharing in each other's lives. And those three men, after the end of the year, challenged these, these other three men to go out and find their three. And so we call this what? Discipleship. We call this multiplication. And so those three found their three and then in turn challenged these men to grab another three. So this last weekend, um, it was really cool. And I, and I told Steve, Steve was going to go with me, but he'd been traveling a lot. I almost took Garrett with me. I, I promised Garrett will take you next time. <laughs> He's like, man, I'll do anything to get off the rock for a little while. <laughs> and uh, I think he would have loved it. But I get to witness um, what happens when, when just three, three people, and I'm not talking about just men, right? It just happened to be a men's conference. Uh, when three people get on fire to just do what we've been called to do. Um, so 107 men filled up a, a, a room, and we worshiped God together, and, and uh, several men shared their testimonies on what God did in their lives and changed them. And the whole goal for that whole weekend, right, was just to say we're normal, imperfect, messed up people who are following a perfect God, who are following Christ, and we, we really want to do life together. And so the whole goal for that weekend, the, the guys said this conference would not be a success. And, and by the way, there were no pastors involved. There were no, no pastors on that stage that weekend. This, these were all just like you and me. They said that the success for that weekend is if those men left, with the phone number of another man in that room and scheduled like an appointment for lunch or for a breakfast or dinner and said, we're going to get to know one another. Like, uh, I, I don't want to do life alone anymore. I'm terrible at it, right? I mess up when I'm on my own. And you don't need to do life alone either. And so, um, and I'll just, I'll just throw this challenge out there early. Myra always tells me you're always challenging people. That's just a part of who I am, by the way. So you either like it or you're or, or you, or you kind of don't, but before you leave today, make sure you have an, one other person's number, um, men and women. Make sure you, 
you ask, say, hey, can we grab lunch, grab coffee, grab breakfast together? We can learn more about each other in one hour over coffee or breakfast or lunch than sometimes it takes us 52 Sundays in a year, right, to meet up in this place. Um, so now I'm going to get to what I'm really supposed to be talking about. But I wanted to share that with you, man. It was just, it was unbelievable to be able to stand in the room and see 107 men just like being who they were created to be. That's what this series is all about. It's made for this. We were made to be the church. Um, today, we, we all know that, that the church is, what we're here inside of today is a building, right? But what, what we're talking about today is what Christ commanded us to be. We're a body of people. So we'll be in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Um, in this series, Made for This, if you've missed it, uh, early, early sermons, we talked about we were made by a creator. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, we were made for a path and a purpose. Um, Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Uh, Josh shared his testimony, and he, and he bravely dove into Revelation. So <laughs> you'll have to listen to that one. Um, and that was on accident, by the way. That was because uh, our plane couldn't get here in time. So thank you for Josh for doing that. Um, we also talked about made for spiritual gifts. If you've never taken um, a, a look at how God made you, the spiritual gifts that he gave you, um, I want to challenge you to dive into 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11 and Romans 12, 6. God talks about once we accept Christ, some of those giftings that he gives us. I mean, uniquely to each of, in the, of, of us in this room. And the whole point isn't for us to say, hey, look at my gifts, right? The whole point is to say, wow, I belong to a body of people who are called the church. And we are called to be on mission. That's a little hint on what we're talking about today. We also talked about made for love, 1 John 4 through 7. And it's not a human love, right? So I'm in review. If you haven't figured this out, I'm in review of what we talked about. We are made to love using God's love. God is love. And he is the only perfect love. We were made to love him and love one another. And then last week, Josh, back up again, and that was by accident, by the way, but maybe God, God had a plan in all of that. Josh spoke about made for worship. Today we're talking about, in this first line you have on your sermon notes, if you, if you want to pull those out and take notes, we were made to be the church. And, and I want to challenge you today, don't... Um, don't gloss over this. Like, I've heard this before. I know this. This is like the ABCs. Like, don't treat it as um, this is simple stuff. But I want to challenge you today, when you hear this, ask yourself, am I actively a part of what, of what Jesus is talking about here? Am I actively, actively a part of what we're, what we're reading through scriptures? And what is my part? So Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Back in the old days, it was, it was thought that the Apostle Paul wrote this book, and that's, I, I understand that's now a, a debate these days, and so they're, they're claiming that that is more unknown. Um, but as I read through this, I still sense the consistency with how p the Apostle Paul wrote through his other books. So I'm, I'm going to, may, maybe wrongly, but I'm going to say the Apostle Paul still gets credit for writing Hebrews. Um, but the important part is what's said. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, Jesus' body, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here's the part I want, want us to focus in on. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Um, and I, if you guys, I'm just going to do a sound check real quick. Can y'all hear me in the back or am I soft? Is it good? John, Johnny gave us a thumbs up. And Tyler, by the way. This Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love, good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day that Christ will return. Let me read that again with this idea in mind. We were made to be the church. Just think about that for a minute. Like, what's my part? Um, If the church isn't a building, if the church is truly a people who are on mission and we were made, we were called to be a part of that church. Listen to these words and and just do a heart check, right? He's talking about us drawing near to him with a sincere heart. So let's let's do a quick heart check. Like, where is my heart today is the question I want to ask each of you. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we we may spur one another on towards the love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day of Christ returning. We gloss over this sometimes. And I think it's because as long as we make it to church on Sunday morning, we're like, all good, you know. And back in the old days, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a church where we were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then somebody in the church was trying to come up with a reason to meet Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, you know? <laughs> it's like, and it was like, and it's not bad, right? That just means they were drawing near to God with everything in them, and they wanted to constantly be in fellowship with one another to say, I just want to love God and love others. They wanted to hold unswervingly onto the hope we profess. I like to say we, we are to hold tightly, which is your next blank in there. We are to hold tightly on the Christ and the hope that we have. Um, and here's a quick question. Like, it's what, you, I have, what did you come in the door with this morning? Like, what did you hold tightly onto this week? Whatever it is that you're hold, holding tightly onto, was like directing your steps, was directing your thoughts, was directing your heart. Like it just does. It's what, it's what we're made to do. We're going to hold on tightly to something. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Be careful not to hold on to um, the four idols, right? The four things that come up in all of us. Which one of these are you more likely to hold on to? Your own power. Like you, you want to have power. It's your power that you're going to do this thing. It's your power that you're going to make this happen. You know, a lot of us are individualistic, strong Western Americans, right? And maybe even more so Alaskans, like, we're going to do this. Like if, you know, it's not going to happen unless I step up and do it, right? 
And that's okay. Like God made us strong. He made us in his image. But be careful not to hold on tight, too tightly to your own power or comfort. Some of us hold on to comfort. Some of us are like, I'll, I'll, I'll step in and help out as, lo- as long as I could pull out of that as, as soon as I'm ready. Like, I'm, I'm going to work just hard enough until I break a sweat. <laughs> when I break a sweat, like, we can't do that in Texas. Like, you're going to break a sweat, like, even, even showering. Like, it's, it's, it's hot all the time. Comfort. Maybe you're holding too tightly on the comfort. Uh, control's a big one. Control's a huge one. Are we holding too tightly on the control? I mean, we all know a great managers and great leaders. We know how to get things done. We know how to, you know, even dads and moms of households. Or we know how to get from point A to point B. But what does it take to get to point A to point B? It's a lot of, a lot of direction setting, a lot of control at times, and we have to be careful. We always want to get the result that we want, right? I guarantee you if, if each of you had a chance to, to lead a church, which is my prayer, by the way, Myra knows this. Each of you one day could lead a church. The question is, what would that church look like? And we have to be careful to say, am I, am I being led by Christ's control, his spirit, his will, or am I more concerned about my preferences, my wants, my control? And the last one is approval. If you're a people pleaser, like this is a big one for you. The approval of others. Or maybe the approval of a, of a uh, dad or mom with high expectations or, or a leader or a boss that has high expectations. Or if you're like me, you have such high expectations for yourself. And how you know that you, you're one of those people with high expectations is just ask those that are closest to you. <laughs> ask, your, ask your spouse. Ask your friends. Do I have too high of expectations? They'll tell you. <laughs> or, or it may take them a while to tell you. But what are you holding, holding on to tightly? We are to hold tightly, as this scripture is saying, is to the hope that we have in Christ. We are to hold tightly onto God's promises, right? He will right every wrong. We have a hope in a future. He will never leave us or forsake us. So I was reminded of this this week. Um, there's, a group, there's a group that gets together. It's a candlelight vigil here in Kodiak. And the candlelight vigil is to honor those who have lost their life or are currently suffering due to domestic violence and sexual abuse. And it's, and it's something we don't want to talk about, right? It's, it's something that that we don't want to delve too deeply into because it's scary, because it's dark, and because we can't control it. But this week it was a reminder for me, Larry, you can't fix this. Like, you can't fix this. But I know the one who can. It's beautiful seeing Marilyn um, play the piano there. It was beautiful having several different voices from the community hope and truth and love and encouragement for one another. That's what this scripture is talking about. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. And then fast forward and let us consider how we may spur another, one another on towards love and good deeds. Like may, maybe Christ did empower us to have an impact on our community. 
but are we using our words? Are we holding tightly on Him? I think that's the key. So that He can direct us to have that impact that He's hoping for. So that we could be the church. That's what we're talking about today. We are to hold tightly on to hope, God's promises. And we hold the tightly, or hold the tightly on the, our faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence and what we hope for, and the assurance about what we do not see. There's nothing cooler than seeing the men and women, every man, woman, and child in the church have a faith and a hope to step out and say, this is possible. Like, this is possible. Even if we don't have all the answers, we know the one who does. Like he's called us on this mission, and it's really simple. We're going to talk about it in a moment, just to share about what Christ did for us. And each of us can start with what he's done for us personally, like our testimony. Josh got to share his. Um, we've been talking with Pastor Elzaki. Uh, Pastor Elzaki's from the Sudan, and he's asked to come share Romans 8 um, with us. And um, I just. I want to say that he is working in our lives and he is trying to get us to the point where we'll step out and say, here's what Christ did for me. We are to hold tightly onto God's promises when we live. When we hold tightly onto God's promises, we live in peace and hope. So this is the test. This is how you know. How do I know if I'm holding tightly onto God's promises when there's peace and hope in your life, right? When we don't, there's fear. There's this sense of, I don't have control over this, or there's frustration, or there's, um, I mean, whatever that thing is in our hearts. When we're holding on to our plans tighter than his plans, there's a sense of, I don't have control over this. And it starts to lead to anxiety. It starts to lead to, to a number of different things. When we hold tightly onto him, we don't have room to hold on to the things of this world, the distractions. So, so get the picture. You're, we're holding on tightly to something, right? And I've said this before in sermons, so forgive me for repeating it again. I just felt like it's worth repeating. When we're holding on to him, it doesn't allow us room to hold on to those other things. It allows us to, to not hold on to the shame and guilt of our past. It allows us to let go of the idols of self, control, power. It allows us to let go of unforgiveness. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the races set out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where it became obvious to you that your eyes weren't fixed on Jesus. Like, I think every one of us 
get to the point in our life where we're like, you know what, my eyes have been fixed on my career. Like my eyes have been fixed on my kids, right? Or my eyes have been fixed on me just finding success, pleasure, or comfort, whatever that is, that, the thing that our eyes are fixed on. Um, I had this, um, I didn't tell Myra I was going to share this this morning, but uh, I had a moment, it's about um, eight years ago, I'm just going to be a little transparent with you, where, so if you grew up in the house that I grew up in, and if you experienced the things that I experienced, uh, my number one goal in life was to not have a family like the one I grew up in. It was, um, I was at that domestic violence vigil for a reason. Like, I got to live and see that, unfortunately. And I won't share all those details with you this morning because I don't think I could walk through it, but the point is, is I, I was like, I, I want to I wanna have a way better, loving, safe family than what I had. Whew. But what I didn't know was, what was I holding tightly onto? I was holding tightly onto a, the ideal of a perfect marriage. I was holding tightly onto the ideal of being a perfect man. I was holding tightly onto this unrealistic expectation or perfection that I couldn't obtain. And guess what that leads to? It leads to frustration. It leads to a sense of loss, a sense of hopelessness. And so I, I was brave enough to get in front of a counselor and say, I need your help. <laughs> By the way, I will be in counseling for the rest of my life, and I think that's a good thing. I think each of us need to meet with a wise counselor and just say, hey, here's, here's what's going on in my head. Here's what's going on in my heart. And could you speak some truth into my life? Because God made us, by the way, so that we will have blinders. Because what and why? We need each other. He gave us this book for a reason, because we have blinders. And we need his truth in our life. So I met with this counselor. And I described to her the frustration that I had and this anxiety. I didn't know where it was coming from. And I told her about my past. And she was a Christian biblical counselor. And she, she was cool. I liked it. She, like, hit me with a two-by-four, and she spoke truth to me. Like, like that's my kind of counselor. <laughs> like, don't, don't give me the warm and fuzzies. Don't, like, just tell me stuff that's fluffy. I mean, give me the truth, right? How many, how many of you guys are like me? You just want the truth, even, even if it's with the two-by-four. So that's me. Um, and I'll try not to do that to you if you're not that, if you don't like that, right? If you ever want to sit and talk, tell me. You like the warm and fuzzy or you like the two by four? Um, <laughs> just, just let me know right up front. <laughs> but I sat across from this godly woman, and she said, Larry, you're, and I was a pastor, by the way, you, you love Jesus. I know you do. You believe he died for your sins. But you're holding so tightly on the being the perfect man and trying to have the perfect marriage and, by the way, expecting so much from your wife to meet that, that thing that only Christ was made for. And you've got to let that go. Whew, God, this is tough. I know it's tough to talk about this. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what does that even mean, right? So when, when somebody says that to you, as I'm saying it this morning, you're, you think, what does that even mean? Like, I love Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. But what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? So I told Myra, I said, uh, and I'll get back to the scripture. I said, I said, the counselor told me I've got to quit focusing on you. <laughs> and she goes, what? <laughs> 
I said, I'm just saying, so if I'm a little distant for the next six months, you know why, you know. And she goes, that makes no sense. And I said, I know, but that's what she said, so. <laughs> no, for real, that's what it felt like. And I, I, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to have to figure this out. I think he even tried to go on a three-day camping trip, you know, and because uh, that's what I like to do. I, go, I like to go to the outdoors. But I had, I had the, even though I loved God, I loved others, I loved Christ, I had to figure out what does it really mean to fix my eyes on Jesus? What does it really mean to believe that he's the only one that can love me the way I'm meant to be loved? Like I actually had to get to the point where I admitted that I'm not a perfect person. Like that I had faults and failures and those things were getting in the way because I was just trying to hide them. And I finally what we started this sermon about. I finally found some good men. Some other men who were real and who wouldn't like air my dirty laundry list like in front of the whole community, right? Like it's, we basically want each other to know our resumes. Like here's the best of me. That's what we want the community to know. When we get in small groups, we'll be a little bit more vulnerable in our small groups when we're more in Bible study, right? We'll let them know a few things about us. But I want to challenge each of you men and women you need one or two other people in your life that know the dangerous truth about who you are and what you struggle with if Jesus is not the one your eyes are fixed on. You just need one or two. And you need to be able to look them in the eye and say, I'm going to tell you some things, and if you tell somebody else, I'm going to run you over with, with my car, <laughs> you know, and they need to believe you. No, but I'm just saying, it's, you know, if you're going to get real with one or two other people, you just need to be able to get real with them and then back with you and have confidence. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race set out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This next, in your, next part in your sermon notes. We have been given a mission. The reason why all of that's important is this. We have been given a mission. We are sent by Christ to proclaim Him. That's what the church is. We are a people on mission. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen, the coolest thing I've ever been a part of, the most exciting thing we could be a part of, and I know you think this is my job because I'm supposed to stand up here on Sunday morning and say stuff like this, but I mean it. It's the coolest thing we could be a part of. John 20, 21 says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. If you really look through the Gospels and read everything that Jesus said, he did two things. He was pointing people to heaven, towards the kingdom, towards eternity, he was talking about his father, and then after that, he was talking about us and us catching a glimpse of what he was trying to say and, and say, go tell others about me. Tell others about my father. Matthew 24, 14 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So who, who thinks we're, Rep, uh, Marilyn and I were talking about this this week. Who thinks we're in the end times, right? This isn't going to be an end time sermon, but who thinks we're in the end times? Who thinks we're in the beginning of the end times? 
Any, any, we got any predictions in the house that we can post on the newspapers? <laughs> Kidding. It's dangerous. Um, we don't know if it's, it's going to be a year from now, ten years from now, a thousand years from now. We just, we don't know. But it's our job to spread the gospel. The missions of the church, it's a little bit of a tongue twister, but I'm trying to be as clear as I can. Listen to these words. And I just, I just want to ask you, do you get this? Do, you, do we understand it as the church? The mission of the church is missions. Our mission is to send, is to go, is to make disciples, is to spread the gospel. Like, that's what we're called to do. And the mission of missions is the church. So if we're on mission... We're sharing the gospel with lost and unreached people. And what does that do? That creates a group, a body of rapidly expanding people that creates what? The church. It's, it's so simple, but it's so hard. Like we, or body, are the church. And if we go out and we spread the gospel in Uzinki, in Port Lyons, in Cordova, and Dutch Harbor, like you, you guys know all the cities and, and slowly I'm beginning to pray about them and villages and areas, or even Alaska, like wherever, wherever there are unreached people, if our job is to go take the gospel to those areas and we do it well and we're truly on mission, guess what happens? A church starts there or a mission starts there and then a church. That's how this building came about, this body of people, right, in the 1940s. Before that, Kodiak Baptist Mission came. They were planted with the whole idea to share the gospel with orphans on this island, to reach the children, to take care of them, to, sp to spread the, the good news about Jesus. Be those people were fixed. Their eyes and hearts were fixed on Jesus, and it started and out of that, many years later, this, this body of people, we, our beginning, Co Community Baptist Church, I'm not sure what it was called back then, I'll, I'll have to do some more research next time, was started. The missions of the church is mission. The mission of mission is the church. We get to decide, and this is where I'm praying for each of you, by the way. If you feel like somebody's thinking about you and praying for you, just know that I and we are. I really am. I'm on my knees in front of my desk. I'm on my knees at home, but on Sunday mornings especially. Like before I get here, I say a prayer. Uh, that prayer normally starts with the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. And I know that's dear to our church family. I'm actually doing that every Sunday morning. But then my prayer quickly goes to you. It's God, I, I want to see 10 churches planted in the next 10 years in Alaska. I actually stood up and said that at the American Baptist Church Convention this year. I felt, I felt like we were, we were circling the block, talking about ministry things, and it was great conversation, but, but, but what I didn't hear was the mission of the church is missions, and the mission of missions is the church. So I stood up, and it was like this crazy Holy Spirit conviction, maybe, so you can call me crazy sometimes. That's fine. I can take it. I love the two by four again. But I stood up and said, I would love to see 10 churches planted in the next 10 years. And it may, it may take us three years to plant that first church, and that's okay. And some of you are like, man, I, 
Like, I don't know, can't we just do our church well? And the answer is yes and yes. Sorry, forgive me for doing a little bit of, and that's not been approved by anybody within this building, by the way. This is just me sharing my heart. And, and if we decide that we're going to plant one church in the next 25 years, like that's God's will. And I trust, again, wise counsel. I trust the wisdom of leaders in this church. And I trust the feedback. I am just one person within a body. The mission of the church is the mission of Christ because the church is Christ. The church is Christ. It's about Him. It's all about Him. And it's Christ within us. So then we have to ask what Christ's mission is. And indeed it is to proclaim the gospel. Matthew 16, 18 says, And, and I tell you, Peter, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overtake it. What's cool about that scripture, it takes, it takes the pressure off of us. Like, what did he say? He said, I will build my church. Like, we don't have to scramble around in our own power trying to do this thing. Like, we get to trust him that he's going to build his church, and we get to be a part of it. The church is not an institution for perfect people. I, this is also my other favorite quote. <laughs> it is a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, a nursery for God's sweet children to be turned, nurtured, and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. The church is the dearest place on earth. That was Spurgeon. He also encourages us to, with these words, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I have ever joined a church till, if I have never joined the church till I have found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Like we're imperfect people. There's nothing special about me except that I said, all right, God, I trust you. Like, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Five years ago, it became more and more clear. And I was scared to death to speak publicly. I'll just, I'll admit to you guys, like, I was scared to death to speak publicly. <laughs> it's not who I am. But five years ago, I, I told Myra, I said, God's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> ha. God's doing something. I think I need to go to seminary. And she's like, you've been talking about that for 10 years. I said, I know. <laughs> I said, I know. I said, but I think it's time. And every year since, I said, God's preparing us for something. And I don't know what it is. But I feel like it's pretty big. He's given me a heart for Alaska, you guys. And I don't know where that came from. A guy from Houston, Texas, from Galveston, Texas, that grew up on the beach. Like, Myra would, like, be, would rather be sitting on the beach, I promise you. <laughs> In 90-degree weather, you know, which I don't really care to sweat. So this is perfect for me up here. Um, but the point in me telling you that is once you say, God, I'm in. Like, I'm fixed on you. He says, cool, I've got a mission for you. And he said, and this is your part. 
So I hope while you attend this church and while you show up on Sunday mornings, and I don't know if you're going to be here for two weekends or 20 years, but I hope when you leave here every Sunday, you go, God, are you calling me to start a church? God, are you calling me to go step into a church that needs someone who just loves you and loves your word and, and is willing to do this work? Um, take a look through the Bible this week. I challenge you. There's many more pages than you can get through, but take a look and look for the word retirement. And then call me or email me. I'll, I'll give you my number. And call me or email me if you find the word retirement. It's not in there. Our work is just beginning. And we don't have to kill ourselves. Like he promises to build his church. We just have to be available to say, all right, I, show me how I'm supposed to be a part of this. I'm going to wrap up. Um, but let me finish with these last two points. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. So again, are you drawing near to God? Like as, as great as our spouses are, as great as our close friends are, as great as our mentors are, like I just challenge you, draw near to God this week. Like, fix your eyes on Christ in a way where it truly changes the way you think, the way you interact with others. And ask yourself, in, in what I'm doing, is, in what I'm giving my life to, is Christ in the middle of that? I saw this quote this week, and it's, it's, it's a good reminder of, um, if you got the email this week, it talked about find rest. And a few of you guys told me about that. The reason why I had that on my heart is because I flew back from Austin. <laughs> and I'm learning that when you travel from Kodiak, you, you often don't come back rested. <laughs> Especially, anyway, you guys get it. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> and I was exhausted when Wednesday morning came. Like exhausted. And so what was on my heart was to find rest. And I found this quote. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, y you will find rest. Um, and in, our, in the, these times, is that not ever true? That was written by Corey Ten Boom. And if you know anything about the Ten Boom family, her father, her sister, she helped many Jews um, flee Nazi tyranny and persecution. They um, invited them into their homes and escorted them out. That was the Ten Booms. And she was talking about what she had saw during those dark years. But I still find it to be very true today. Like when we fix our eyes on Christ, we will find peace, hope, and rest. I'm going to wrap up the sermon. I see it's like 12.10, so let me invite the band back up. Um, I want to invite all the men in the room, and we've got some cool ladies stuff going on too. I think it's, they're both Thursday. The ladies meet Thursday nights. The men meet Wednesday morning. Um, but Pastor Nelzaki and I have, have been talking. Pastor's 
he wants to share a little bit. So I want to challenge you men, if you're up for some coffee, we meet at Flyby Coffee Shop, 6.30 a.m., which is probably not early to some of you guys, but way early for everybody else. 6.30 a.m., we'll have Pastor Izaki share um, his heart. I believe God's got him on the way to plant the church. And I want him to share a little bit with you guys. Um, So I invite you all to join us Wednesday morning. But let me finish up this last point. Church is a body of people who are chasing after God's will, His heart, His plan. Like that's what we were made for. It's really simple. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Like we were made for this. We just, we have a choice to join his mission is that last sentence, I believe. We have a choice. What's cool is, is he gives us a choice what to hold tightly onto. He's not going to force your grip, force your hand open. He's not going to force you to let go. Uh, but we have a choice. I don't know about you, but I want to know what God's will is. Like, I love to search this word to get amongst wise counsel in our, in our church, in our community, and just hash it out. Sometimes there's sparks that fly, and that's okay. That's just human beings trying to find out what God's will is. So if you don't mind, uh, pray with me this morning, and we'll wrap this up. Bow our heads. Father, I love you. And God, I thank you that you are a jealous God that you do somehow hit us all with a two-by-four when we need it the most to just say, hey, I, I have a plan for you. And I promise it's so much better than that thing it is that you have in your hand. Um, God, I amongst all of my brothers and sisters in this room and for those who, who haven't decided to follow you yet, um, I thank you that you give us the opportunity to hold on tightly to you. And, uh, God, I thank you for the reminder that you are the only perfect perfect person. You're the only perfect being that walked this planet. And that, God, we can't obtain perfection, but we can have you. And then, God, I, I ask you to make your will clear to every man, woman, and child that enters through these doors and let them know what you'd have for them to do in your kingdom. Let, not, let church not be this thing that we do on Sunday morning, but God, I I ask that you ignite this mission in each of our hearts. Speak clearly this week. We love you. We are so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.